They may sound nuts. So did the Wright brothers. Now, here's Flieger and Briggs. Welcome back into It's Just Sports here on the 12 Ounce Sports Network. Check out everything 12 Ounce has to offer over at 12ozsports.com, 12ounceSportsNetwork.com. And, of course, you can follow your boys at Asylum Football on the tweeters. It's Just Sports, 123 at gmail.com. And if you want the archives of the show, you can always find those at AsylumFantasySports.com. Rick Briggs banging and clanging around over from Studio A somewhere. Uh, March, what is it, March 432nd as we continue this nonsensical quarantine. And, uh, Rick, I'm thinking about changing the name to the uh, name of the show instead of It's Just Sports to Why Do We Even Bother. That's kind of where I'm at at this point today. Yeah, I don't blame you. There's really um, not many sports to call It's Just Sports. But, um, you know, we are Flieger and Briggs and uh, still practicing safe broadcasting. But, hey, we have something to tell you. If you want to enter $100 cash from 12-Ounce Sports, here's how you can do it. It's real easy. Follow 12-Ounce Sports on Twitter and Facebook. Retweet um, any post that you see from 12-Ounce Sports concerning this $100 cash. Tag two friends. Purchase a T-shirt from our 2020 mini catalog. You can find it at 12OunceSportsRadio.com. And the drawings are made on, will be made on June 9th. So, uh, you know, get yourself a cool shirt and maybe you win 100 bucks. I could use 100 bucks. wonder if they'll send me that $100. I don't know. You might. It's worth asking, you know. right? Sure. I'd Make like... sure you get your shirt and extra gluttony, though, <laughs> so it fits. <laughs> Oh, right. Well, let's get into it here. So uh, not going to spend any time on all the goings on in the world over the last uh, several days. Uh, you can get if that. You don't know what's going, if you don't know what's going on, you're probably dead. Yeah, and if you care what Briggs or I think about it, you should be dead. So we, we're not <laughs> going to get into that. Except to say I do want to make one point. If you decide to root or root, yeah, loot or riot. Don't do it to J.R. Smith's car. Did you see that? <laughs> you go about one of them little nerdy Antifa kids smashes his window and he just come out and whoop that ass. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. And then similarly, a uh, couple of them ran into John Bones Jones of the UFC who had had enough, and they were pretty quick to hand the spray paint over. So I think just send. <laughs> Send John and Jr. out, and uh, we can get this thing under control and back to what it was uh, <laughs> meant to be, I think. So that, that that was a lot of fun to watch. But, Rick, it, it seems like, you know, kind of lost in all this. The, the the COVID obviously still going on. We don't hear as much about of it, but more and more things opening up. Sports leagues look like they're coming back. There's a plan for hockey. Looks like the NBA has a plan. PGA is going to be back, what, next week, Rick? I believe they're, they're going to be back, or the week after, very soon, NASCAR is running. But, Rick, your boys, Major League Baseball, absolutely cannot get it together. I'm almost at the minor. I know these negotiations are always ugly, and they always look dark before the dawn. I don't think they're going to play baseball this year, Rick. I don't either. And, you know, you're talking about the NHL and NBA. They all have plans now they have a few snags they need to work out as far as international travel and the arenas and so forth but those are logistics they don't even have an agreement in baseball to play the games because of what dollar signs what it comes down to right and 
you know, and quite frankly, it doesn't matter what I think, what you think, but in my mind, I don't really think people are going to have a lot of patience for billionaires and millionaires fighting over paychecks when there's 40 million people out of work. And that's just where I stand. They're not, this, this is a simple thing. This is, this is something that happens once in a lifetime. And if you're going to play, okay, the Players Association come out with a 114-game schedule. It wouldn't even end until the end of October. And, and now that you're supposed to have playoffs and then World Series going into November and playing in the snow and, and rain and everything, I mean, that's just ludicrous right there. The 82 games they could squeeze in would be normal time. Take your half pay, walk away, and don't worry about it. But I, I just don't get it. This is ridiculous. It's so easy. Yeah, and, and my problem more than anything, it doesn't seem to me at this point that either side is really negotiating in good faith, right? That that first proposal the owners came out with, the 82 games made perfect sense, but then that that sliding scale where the guys at the top of the pay scale, and I know why the owners did it, right, because they're the least sympathetic, but you're going to take an 80% haircut for a, a 50% season, and, and just it, it, I hate this word, but this whole thing is it, it's bad optics. And then the players come back over the top where essentially they're only going to agree to the haircut they already agreed to take at the beginning of all of this. And they're going to play 114 games and be playing Super Bowl Sunday. It'll be game four of the World Series or something absurd like that and, and kind of not wanting to back off. And, and what I don't like, it was kind of disingenuous from a lot of the players talking about it from a safety perspective, which anybody could understand. But then you see this counter offer they give the owner. They don't even mention the safety and the testing. It, it's all about the dollars and cents. Kind of where I'm falling on this, Rick, and, and here's here's the problem. The, the, the players have a big problem, and I really do believe that. And I've, I've seen some articles today that kind of take the, the exact opposite stance. But I, I think the players are in a bad position because they, they got made an offer. Again, to your point, you know, in the optics, you know, these guys make so much money, the Max Scherzers, the, the Mike Trouts, these guys make so much money, and there's so many people out of work. But I would take an 80% pay cut to $6 million. I can't even afford to feed my family right now. And it's ultimately going to be the players who aren't going to agree to a deal. But, but man, the owners are just being so, you know, the owners coming out, they're crying. You know, they're going to lose $640,000 per game played this year based on that plan. Well, again, now these are the billionaires, you know what I mean? And they're just somehow the owners are making it look like the players are the evil one here. And I think the, the owners are really being disingenuous with this thing. They've got to figure out there's got to be a simple proration, right? And, and everybody's going to have to take a bit of a haircut. And guess what, billionaire owners? You're going to have to take a big haircut too if you want to put this thing on what what is so hard about if we play 81 games you get half of what you were going to get paid for 162 what is so hard about that yeah the owners are going to take a bath because you're not going to be making a lot of revenue at the gate and all the other sort of revenue streams that they've been mentioning but you know what that's the way it goes that's that's part of business there's a lot of other businesses out there that have taken a bath because of this coronavirus and everything, but they don't expect you to come to work 
If the people aren't working, then they don't get paid. But if they do come to work, they're not taking a pay cut. So why can't the players, if they play half a season, they get half the pay? Simple as that. I, I don't see where this is difficult. And if the owners lose some money, I'm sorry. That That's the way it goes because, you know, this is unprecedented times. I, and we've used the old air quotes, hey, unprecedented times. You better do air quotes. I was about to start cursing at you here live on 12-Ounce Sports. And it's thing, it seems that simple, right? And then the owners are taking the bulk of the loss. And, and that's what they refuse to do. And that's what's so frustrating. You know, we, we talk about it here being in Pittsburgh and, and the Pirates' refusal to spend money, re- refusal to do anything to make that team better from a financial perspective. And they've got this billionaire owner. You know, he's one of the top 10 or 12 richest owners in the league, and he's always crying poor with the small market thing. But what ends up happening, Rick, if they don't play, it's ultimately the players that don't sign this thing, and they're the ones who end up looking bad. What I honestly think, I mean, you look back to that strike in 94, Rick, you know, if you really read back on it, it was the owners in bad faith there, but the players took the full brunt of that. And you saw baseball lost an entire generation off of that 94 strike. They lost you. You bring it up to this day, Rick. This would be the modern day that, right? This could happen again. This league's already had problems attracting younger viewers. If it just goes away for a year and they people find out nobody missed it anyhow and the level of greed from both sides, I still think the bulk of the greed's falling on the owner's side. But set that aside, the players are going to be the public face of that. I don't know if it comes back this time, Rick. I really don't. I don't either, Rick. And, you know, it puts baseball in even a more disadvantage in 2020 than it was in 94, because you look back, even back, what, that's 26 years ago, you know, soccer wasn't at its most, wasn't popular as it is now. Um, You still had, you know, like golf in the summertime, but now we have, um, basket or yeah, basketball and hockey going through the summer. If they get their thing going this whole season, it baseball could be just long forgotten. And football is almost 24 seven now from the draft. And then the, you know, the combines, the draft, the mini camps, uh, you can put on NFL network and they're covering training camps for months. And people watch that and they, it's more fun than a baseball game anymore. And I know there's a diehard baseball fans out there and and I feel your pain, but this is, it is baseball is, is, to me is stronger than ever as far as money goes. Cause these million billionaire owners have a ton of money, but they're not just throwing it away. You know, though they will cancel a season and you know, it, it, I don't know. I mean, I don't understand all the ins and outs, but it's a tax write-off, I'm sure, a lot of this stuff for them. Well, and that's it. And I don't want to make this some um, existential, romanticized thing about baseball or about sports in general. But I have to be of the mind, Rick, that when the NHL comes back, everybody's taking a haircut and a big one. I have to think when the NBA plays, you know, in that bubble or whatever they end up doing down in Disney, if that's how it ends up going down, the NBA and the players are taking a haircut. And then here you have Major League Baseball, who has a long history of labor strife, who 
nobody, neither side wants to take a haircut, right? They all think they need to come out ahead on this deal. Look, at the end of the day, it isn't right to ask a man to take an 80% pay cut for half for half a season's worth of work, plus all the other stuff that's going to have to go on. Conversely, it's probably not fair for the owner to have to take on every bit of loss. There needs to be some negotiation there. For whatever reason, for my entire lifetime, and I don't know what it was like going back before that, for my entire lifetime, these two sides can't get together and do anything. But to tell you what, it's big because these two are going to do that, and there's going to be a big appetite for sports. And then the NFL just forever with a horseshoe up their butt. They they can't lose. Able to, although it looked differently, their entire offseason program has gone on as scheduled. The timing was just perfect for them. I'm At this point, Rick, I don't know about you, I have no doubt come September they're going to be playing football games. And I'm starting to believe there's going to be some, if not all the people in the stands, the way this thing is going. The NFL can't lose. All these leagues are chasing them. You have this chance to really, you know, when you can kind of have this stage to yourself, and they're just blowing it because they can't get together and they can't and won't negotiate in good faith either side. I agree. I'm not sure what the answer is, Rick. Um, the owners, I'm sure, could have come across with a half a season saying, okay, throwing out arbitrary numbers. Players that make eight million and above take a 62% cut and players below that will give you half kind of makes up a little bit for some of all the revenue that we're losing, lay it out where everybody can see it. And maybe they would look at it and say, "Uh, okay, I get it. And I mean, they're going to make 40% of, of their $10 million salary for half the games. It's not that bad, but 80% is ridiculous. Right. And then they want to play 114 games for whatever reason to go to the end of October. And then how do you form the playoffs? How do you make the, the world series? I, you're playing into the end of November. Nobody cares by this point. No, no. You, at all. Nothing. And, you know, you go back to the NHL. These players, I don't think that there would ever be a real money issue, especially in a situation like this when all that's left is playoffs. These guys want to win that cup. Right. You just give us a time and a place to play, we'll be there. And, you know, the NBA, I'm not sure I'm kind of detached from them a little bit, but I think they're probably more in the same boat. They seem to have a a much better relationship. And, um I don't know. They just seem to be more normal. This baseball thing is getting really wacky. Yeah, I mean, and you just look at the difference in the sports with baseball. You know, NFL, it's its own monster. You know, we'll, we'll talk about labor with them at a much later date when we have to. But when you look at, you know, I'm sure there's much more that went on behind the scenes, but the NHL, what the public face of it was, they all got together, Bettman and the owners and the Players Association got together, hashed something out, got everybody on a freaking Zoom call like we're all doing for our day jobs these days, and had a resolution, to our knowledge, in about a day and a half. The NBA went so far as it was the president of the Players Association, I'm blanking on her name right now, and I feel dumb, I can't pull it, 
but the pl- president of the Players Association went to the NBA and said, we want to start playing NBA and owners. Get us something together here so we can get a plan. And here's baseball, as always, fighting over pennies. But It's not pennies, but relative to the billionaires versus the millionaires, it feels that way. It's just, it's just obscene. And what I find the worst out of all of this, Rick, with baseball, and this is where – I'm really coming down on the side of the players more than I normally do in baseball is now you see all these major league teams either eliminating minor league squads, cutting minor league players, refusing to play minor league, pay minor league players to the point where individual major league baseball players, this is how insignificant this money is, individual players like David Rice, like members of the Washington Nationals, have agreed to pay these minor leaguers salaries to keep those guys with a roof over their head and food in their bellies while these billionaire owners are just saying, get rid of it all. What what are they going to do in the future if you just get rid of it all? I don't understand this one bit. And and they pay these guys like 400 bucks a week. Right. And, you know, and and they got a raise, which, which is like really bizarre. It's like four five and 600 bucks a week for the, whatever it is, single way, double way, triple way. And they got a raise this year. And I mean, that's just ludicrous. And now we just shut it down because we don't have TV revenue. We don't have big advertisers for the minor leagues. So yeah, let's just get rid of it. Everybody's so anxious to play baseball. They'll be back. Uh, You know, I'm not so sure. Well, but and think about how insignificant the money is. Look, I know he's yeah. he's got a major, major contract, but in reality, how insignificant that money is. If a guy like David Price can say, ah, "I feel bad about that," I'll just pay all these guys seriously. But the yeah. L.A. Dodgers can't come up with that money. Are you high? Are you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. Now, now here's a question because I do not know. Are these minor league teams, say like the Dodgers, you just brought them up, are they owned by the Dodgers or do they have individual owners? Which I think is the case. Yeah, yeah. They do. They're, they're separate entities, right? And then they get affiliated right. with the teams. But but there is money funneled down. And more than anything, Rick, of course. I don't want to see minor league baseball go away. That is the fabric and the economy of so many small towns across this country. And then you think about it as your major league baseball, what's your feeder system going to be? Is college baseball right. going to become a big deal again? What, what's it, Talk about cutting off your nose to spite your face. It doesn't make any sense at all. No, it makes no sense at all. And and. They encourage people to go out and get fresh air, but these guys can't play baseball. I mean, go figure. Yeah, I, 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 I don't understand this at all. I, I don't get it, but I, I, at this point, I'm almost so disgusted. This is, might be, for me, what 1994 was for you. I was still young enough in 94 where sports were the world, and I just wanted it back, didn't understand, didn't care what was going on. This, even if they come back, this might be it for me, just seeing this side of things. So, so Rick, what do you think? One thing I do pray happens, stay, stepping away from baseball. See Mike Tyson, the videos, the videos of him going around, and then he got offered $20 million from this something called a bare-knuckle boxing league, where I can't imagine they have $20 million. It might be ugly, Rick, but, dude, do I want to see Tyson fight again? <laughs> give me one more. Give me one more. Oh, if you could only bring old John L. Sullivan back, he would love that. He'd go 200 rounds. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, when did they end that? Like in the 1800s, I think, is when bare-knuckle fighting was ended because it was too brutal. Yep. And now here we are in 2020 
we have the bare knuckle boxing league or whatever it was called. <laughs> Oh, but man, did you see those videos of Tyson training though? I mean, it, it's, I know the bag doesn't hit back, but man, on the bag, did he look good for 50 years? How old is he? 52, 53 now? 52 or three. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I, yeah, I, he, he does look good. I would give anything. Just give him a tomato can. Bring him in a tomato can. This isn't going to be a George Foreman situation. But you talk about what Tiger Woods was to golf, Mike Tyson was to boxing, somebody like him, and boxing hasn't had anybody like him since him. Man, I, I, I couldn't – That'd be. I'd pay for that pay-per-view. He, he could fight a tomato can, and I'd be all in for it. Yeah, and the thing about Mike Tyson was he was such a phenomenon at first until – um, he was exposed when he lost the title and then he couldn't even stay with Holyfield and started chewing on his ear and he almost became a caricature before he was out of boxing and now people miss stuff like that I mean could you imagine if actually you talk about Tiger Woods if you if John Daly quit smoking and dropped 100 pounds and all of a sudden was in the running for the British Open or whatever the case may be. That's what that almost seems like to me in a way. Oh, absolutely, because you think about, you know, how low it went at the end of his career and, of course, all the personal problems he's had. And all he talks about now is all the weed he grows and all the weed he smokes. And, you know, he's, you know, the last thing anybody, you know, 10 years younger than me and younger, all they know him for is punching Zach Galifianakis in that movie. (laughs) You know what I mean? And you kids just don't know what a badass this man was and kind of the arc and then the the deep ebbs you know with it with the arrest and, and with the loss and just in the Holyfield situation and I think that's what makes him so intriguing quite frankly number one you know you 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 were around Rick for boxing's glory days you know for me it was Mike Tyson. That was the baddest dude I ever seen. You could probably talk about a dozen boxers from your day when it was a big, big thing that were battered. For me, there was nothing better than Mike Tyson. And to see him kind of go through all of that, it really is amazing. And then all the personal troubles and going away. And I'd do anything just to see it one more time. Oh, yeah. I would love to see it myself. There's no question about that. And it would be how should I put it comical as well as an anticipatory of more greatness for Tyson. If you know what I mean? Hey, you know, he can't lose in this situation. No, he can go, he can go out and be Mike Tyson, start swinging wildly, kill the guy, win the title. And all of a sudden Mike Tyson's back to glory or he could go out and take a shot to the jaw and go out like a light. Ah, he's looked good, though. It was Mike Tyson. He's crazy. What do you think? You know. Well, and that's the thing. I think probably that second part is the least likely scenario. Really, this is why you got to watch it either. You know, he would be the one guy that could come show up in his mid-50s after everything he's been through for the last 20 years and just knock somebody into the seventh row with one swing. Or if it starts going bad for him, you don't know what he's going to do. He's going to bite somebody, leg sweep somebody, pull a knife out of his gloves. You don't know what this man's going to do. He ain't right, and we know this. He's talking about must-see TV. Yeah, and the thing about Mike Tyson is, is similar to George Foreman. Being a heavy hitter, 
as Tyson was or as Foreman was keeps these people dangerous. Right. Hey, he's not just some, you know, boxer that can go out and box your ears off. What, 53, okay, number one, the body's going to betray you in, in, in a 12-round fight and somebody's still hitting you and you're trying to score points. But when you have guys that are, are sheer power, as, as Holyfield spoke of George Foreman, you're out there throwing rocks and he's throwing boulders. Right. They stay, they're very dangerous people. All they got to do is land one. If they can keep their wind, and that's the problem with a guy when he gets in his 50s, right, is keeping his wind and having the speed. If he lands one on anybody's chin, I don't care who it is, they're not waking up for a while. And and then if he it does get winded, if he is having trouble landing that punch, a guy like Tyson, man, you just don't know what he's gonna do. And that you got to watch for that too. So I I don't I don't want this bare knuckle stuff. I'm not gonna get into what I'm not gonna start watching bare knuckle boxing. <laughs> but if he could get a sanctioned fight against anybody the trained dog i don't care if it's a sanctioned <laughs> boxing match i i will watch this so one more thing rick and then we'll preview what is it the afc south today but i did see this article i found interesting on cbs sports uh middle of last week i believe it was basically postulating that if the 2021 NCAA tournament ends up getting canceled again, as we saw last year, that this puts the NCAA in such peril that they could be, there's been rumors for years that that could be the final death nail. And you see these power five conferences break off and the NCAA is no more. This is so many people celebrate this and want to see this happen. I I don't understand what it looks like. It does, doesn't sound like a good thing to me. No, it's not a good thing. In fact, the NCAA has, in my mind, really hurt itself by letting this Power Five conferences these uh, expand and form the way it has. I, I think it's hurt um, college sports in the long run as far as any type of parody and you know a lot of people disagree with that well you have to go where the money is and yeah i i get all that but it's it's it, it seems much more um kosher to have diversified more equal conferences even if it's just geographical um the atlantic coast conference should be atlantic coast and i mean you know we don't need every team under the sun in the ACC. Right. The Big East, the Big East should be a conference, a, a good conference. Um, I remember, I can still remember the day when the Metro Conference was a pretty strong conference of basketball. And I, mean, I don't even know who's in it now. I would actually have to pull it up to look. So, I mean, all these teams that had gotten good in some of these other conferences that gave them relevant relevance have moved to one of the power five conferences and yet they're decimated and bring in some of these other schools, you know, kind of like, um, you know, um, I didn't forget what conference they came from Butler and, you know, help me out here. What am I trying to think of Butler and a couple of the other schools from that conference went to the big East because other ones went down to the ACC so then the conference they were in, I don't know if it was a Mid-American or one of those conferences, you know, they had to go scalp teams from other, some, somewhere else. So all that does is just keep weakening the conferences that are already weak. 
Yeah, and I'm just trying to the more so. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is uh, th- this is coming to fruition. Quite frankly, what was easily predictable and probably was the intention of the formation of these power fives. Obviously, getting the individual TV networks—that's a big piece of it—is kind of seceding from the NCAA. And in football, it almost makes sense, right? I don't know what the NCAA does for football. You know, these conferences kind of run their own thing. The bowl games are kind of their own separate entity. Other than this college football playoff we've had the last few years, the NCAA doesn't seem to have a lot of involvement. So I can picture it in football, and I can live with it in football. What I don't get is in basketball, you know, what that thing's going to look like without an NCAA tournament. Does the ACC tournament you know become just a championship do we have five national champions and then you know what do the smaller d1 you know there's what 300 some odd basketball playing d1 schools and and that's what makes the ncaa tournament so great look the ncaa is their own worst enemy and they you know i don't know much about finance and when you start talking about tens of and hundreds of billions of dollars you know my mind can't wrap around it but you look at these schools with these multi-billion dollar endowments. You look at the NCAA with the tens and hundreds of billions of the dollars they've had. And look, that was awful losing the NCAA tournament and losing the spring sports. But then you see all these colleges already cutting programs, non-revenue sports, and the NCAA talking about they're going to be out of money if this doesn't happen and that doesn't happen. Where did all this money go? I, I can't even write. This blows me away. This almost feels like an excuse to cut and run at this point to me. Oh, it does me too. And, you know, just expanding on, on that, the revenue that they make, say like in basketball um, or football, bowl games and, and whatnot, the school gets a certain amount of money for making a bowl game or the, the tournament keep advancing in, in the NCAA tournament, but the rest of that money, a lot of it trickles down through the conference. And that just goes right back to what I was talking about. They don't have a prayer. None of the other conferences have a prayer. These power five leaves the NCAA. What is it? What are they left with? I mean, are we going back to having to watch Yale and Princeton you know, for, for some sort of a bowl game for the NCAA bowl game or whatever. I mean, because nobody's going to be watching any of these teams and they're not going to be getting any TV revenue. Who's going to be watching the, what's left out of the, the power five league. You know, you know what I'm saying? So the NCAA, you might as well say it's the end of them. Yeah. And uh, it's just, yeah, I've got to think, yeah, I wonder who would be good for if it would be good for everybody. It would obviously be good for the top end and for the Power Five. But if these schools were negotiating their own TV deals, you know, let it set aside for the conference or the or the NCAA as a whole, you know, I that that would be interesting to find out what that would look like. But I just I read that article and it it feels like it's close. It it really really does right now you know you know another thing that it does rick if they break away from the ncaa now you have i don't know how many total teams but those power five conferences now you have the best athletes in the world and you can pay them and that's what this is really about right sure it is there's no regulations so now they'll set up their own regulations. Okay, 
Alabama, you can't spend any more money on your players in Vanderbilt or something of that nature. Right. But other than that, that that's just free reign right there. And that would spell the end of college sports as we know. Yeah. And that's where as much as I rail against and do despise the NCAA and the way they conduct themselves in general, that's where I don't want to see it go away, where you need some type of national governing body or it's just that thing. And you look at the way this thing's going, Rick. We're probably within five years of these being just minor professional leagues and minor professional sports teams, as you see, you know, already with the, the players. And I don't necessarily disagree with any of these individually, but the players, you know, allowed to to make a profit off their name and their likeness and the such. With the transfer rules that are expected to be changed here, where they, they can transfer school to school without fear of penalty, which, again, on its own, the way the coaches take advantage of it, I don't necessarily disagree with so you take that you take that you take the NCAA out of it and then you have each conference being their own entity and you talk about playing paying players these aren't college athletes anymore and look I know the whole student athlete thing has been an illusion for my entire life and probably even before that but I don't know I like pretending I like to be lied to I'm like that guy who knows his girlfriend's cheating on him I know what's going on but if we don't talk about it I can just keep pretending things are all right (laughs) I want to keep pretending Rick I really do. Yeah, and as and as crooked as it is, and how many rules are broken, there are still, you know, a certain amount of rules that they have is for to keep it, quote unquote, again, college sports different from just pro sports. Right, right. And that's basically all it's going to be is the Power Five minor league. You know, in just about any sport that they happen to to do be it lacrosse any of that thing i don't know if it's professional lacrosse but i mean um you know i mean it, there's just no stopping it and, and i'm like you i like being lied to i like to pretend well and i don't think it's a great leap to say rick if all this happens and the ncaa goes away how long would it be before we heard that the sec has signed an exclusive deal with the nfl to be their minor league feeder system. And then the NFL is going to draft these kids right out of high school, send them to their SEC, you know, maybe it'd probably take, what, two leagues probably, their SEC slash ACC or SEC slash Big 12 feeder teams, and they're going to pay them minor league pay, and they're going to play, and they're going to college education at the same time. I think it would be a matter of a year once this all happens, if that's what happens, they then start signing exclusive deals with these with these leagues or with specific teams, right? The Lakers now are the home of the Alabama Crimson Tide. I just mixed my sports there, but you know what I'm getting at. You know, the Lakers now own Duke or, or something crazy. You can just see it just – it's a oh, – that ball gets rolling. There's no stopping it. Oh, I agree. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys and – Alabama or whatever the San Diego, the San Diego. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, the the Vegas Raiders and LSU Tigers. I mean, could you just imagine if somehow they struck a deal like that? Now all of a sudden you have a team that is almost the dregs annually of the NFL now signed with a team that is putting out some of the best NFL athletes in recent memory. Whoa. 
the whole thing could well, just. I tell you what, talk about the studio. Yeah, it's apart. completely wow. coming apart. All right, well, let's move off all that, Rick. We left ourselves a little more time this week as we go through previewing each division in the NFL ahead of uh, training camps, which uh, knock on wood, Rick, seem like they're going to get going pretty much as scheduled. The NFL, man, they just can't do anything wrong. Let's start, and I still think the most intriguing team in this division with their offseason and everything going on is the Indianapolis Colts. Let's start there. Well, you go right ahead. I will let you start off. I always seem to be the one doing that. I'm going to let you take center stage. Oh, isn't that magnanimous of you? Like every team, you can say it, but but this is all about Phillip Rivers, right? Is Phillip Rivers an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett? I think that team is good defensively, decent at least, if not good defensively. You look at that defensive line with – with uh, my mind just went blank here with with Buckner and with Houston. And that team's going to be able to stop the run. They're going to be able to play a little bit of defense, upgrade on offense in terms of bringing in Michael Pittman, drafting Jonathan Taylor, putting him as a nice one-two with Marlon Mack. You know, Eric Ebron's gone, Jack Doyle. We know how much Phillip Rivers likes his tight end. I think they're set up nicely on offense. They can play good enough defense. It's like so many times in this league, the question becomes, Rick, is Phillip Rivers at his advanced age and his declining skill set an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett? If he is, I think this team's the favorite in this division for me. I agree. They're, um, you know, you look at uh, their stats from last year. They were seventh in the league in rushing and 30th in the league in passing. Well, now all of a sudden you have Phil Rivers in there, and if there's anything that we do know about Phil Rivers, he'll throw a lot of picks and make some stupid plays, but he's going to wing it down the field. You know, and, and they do have some weapons there. On defense, they were 16th overall, not bad, but they're very stout against the, the rush. They brought in Buckner. And let's not forget that, um, I don't know, I almost consider Malik Hooker the modern-day Bob Sanders. They can keep that guy on the field for 16 games. He's something special. Now, they did decline his 50-year offer, offer um, in the preseason, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they gave up on him. He puts together a good season. They could probably work out a deal, and, and he could be a Colt for a long time if he could just stay healthy. And, you know, you mentioned some of the other guys on defense. I think they're going to be fine. They're not playing – if you think about it, the six other division games, they're certainly not playing any dynamic offenses in, in that division. And with Phil Rivers upgrading in the passing department, now all of a sudden they can keep up airtime with Deshaun Watson and lap the other two teams. Even though Tannehill shows some flashes, I'm not guaranteed they're going to be a real passing team. So I'm with you. I, I think they're definitely the favorite to take the South right now. Yeah, it feels like it. Again, it does come down, though, to, to Phillip Rivers. I'm, I know you're a Phillip Rivers guy. You, you always have been. I thought last year more than anything, and I guess I don't know what it is. It felt like he started to show his age. He still was, what, top a lot. four or it five did. in passing yards or, or, or something like that. I don't have it right up in front of me. He still put up numbers. I don't know if it was frustration, you know, with the lack of weapons around him last year due to all the injuries and everything that happened with the Chargers. 
but it really felt like he started to show his age and does this new, this kind of the new beginning, these new younger weapons around him. Does that kind of revitalize him, or did we see the beginning? Of the, it's kind of the same as a Tom Brady question on a smaller scale, right? right? Exactly. You know, Tom Brady was lacking weapons. He kind of looked vulnerable for the first time in his career. Was that who he was, or was he a product of the situation? I wonder that, and I wonder that more about a Philip Rivers, you know, I'm not as confident as you. If he is 80% of peak Philip Rivers, he's an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. If he's what he was last year and a year older, then if, if anything, it's a wash. If not, Jacoby Brissett might still be the better option. And then in that case, all these other weapons and all these good things we said about them just aren't going to matter. So it really does just come down to Philip Rivers, I think. It does, and I agree with you with the point. If if Phil Rivers is like last year and a year older, they're going to really struggle uh, to stay in contention in this defense or in this division. Because if you look at the offense, it's eerily similar to the Chargers. You had Keenan Allen and the rest of the receivers. You got T.Y. Hilton and the rest of the receivers. Right. Uh, you got Marlon Mack. He's a good back. But you also had Austin Eckler, and let's not forget Gordon did come back the season so i mean they had the weapons in um los angeles i got it right for a change um last year but rivers just couldn't deliver he's going to need to be pumped up and rejuvenated this year for him for him to really make a difference on that offense i have confidence that he can be um that remains to be seen, but it's it's going to be up to Philip Rivers because I think we know what the rest of the team can do. Right, and you know what? I think the Frank Reich thing is a big factor. This is a guy that's been there. He's done that. I, I've got to think – I don't know this. I've got to think he has the respect of a Philip Rivers, and he's shown he he's an excellent offensive coach, and I think that helps a guy like Philip Rivers if there's anything left to help, right, if, if his right. body allows him to do that. So let's move to – speaking of good coaching staffs, let's move to what I most believe, Rick, is the other side <laughs> – that spectrum. We won't be going to Houston. Let's head down to Houston and your boy, <laughs> your your preseason prediction for NFL Coach of the Year and Bill O'Brien yeah. down in Houston. You remember, wasn't that long ago, we were talking about the, the, the stout Houston Texan defense. Right. Uh, this, this is a team that, that came off of 2019 – 388 yards a game, 28th in the league. They were 29th against the pass, 25th against the rush. You could do almost anything you wanted against that Houston defense. And Deshaun Watson, look, we know what he can do. And they have a pretty good run game as as well. So their offense is okay. But now all of a sudden, they don't have DeAndre Hopkins. And – you know, like what he said or not, he is arguably the best receiver in football. Certainly one of the top three. And when you lose anybody like that, it is going to be very significant. What's interesting to me is the run game with David Johnson rejuvenated. He says he's excited. He cannot wait to play. And you got Duke Johnson backing him up. They are fine in the run back department. You look at the wide receivers. You got Will Fuller. They brought in Brandon Cooks. 
Um, th this is a sneaky, deep receiving core. Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb, um, you know, Kiki Kute, and, and a few other names in there. And I don't think they're going to be lacking in weapons for Watson at all. If, they, if, the, if David Johnson pans out at all offensively, I think the arrow points way up for Houston, quite frankly. The key to me is the defense. Can Watts stay healthy? Merciless stay healthy? And the rest of those guys stay healthy and actually put it together because they were a shambles last year. Yeah, this is the, the rare team we've gotten to say so far as we're, what, in our third division where this doesn't all come down to the quarterback. We know who the quarterback is. Right. We know Deshaun Watson is one of the three or four best quarterbacks in this league, and he's also shown, you know, in the past, he's one of those guys that can just put the team on his back and will them to win. He's got a lot of Aaron Rodgers in him to that point where he can overcome incompetent coaching and incompetent personnel around him and just will a team to close games into victory. That That's who he – that's who Deshaun Watson is. You, you look at the, the defense, that's a big thing, right? You know, when healthy, J.J. Watt's probably the best defensive player in the National Football League. But over the last two or three years, they can't keep him on the field for more than a quarter. They, they just can't do it. His, his body just keeps breaking down. And that's kind of what they're built on, right, Rick, is playing defense, playing great defense, getting after the quarterback, turning people over. And it hasn't been the case the last couple of years, doing no small part to, to the lack of – the lack of J.J. Watt being able to stay healthy. Here's what I wish. I wish you could conk me over the head, and I'm sure you wish that too, and make me forget about the nonsense, the horrific nature of what that DeAndre Hopkins trade was, and make me forget that DeAndre Hopkins was ever on that team. Here's why. As I was preparing for this, I had a 15-minute monologue prepared just crushing Bill O'Brien for taking what was a really good offense and making it horrific. And as I was doing my prep and as I was really thinking about it, if I knew nothing else surrounding this, Rick, if my entire knowledge of the Houston Texans began right now, and I said, all right, here's what you got. You got Deshaun Watson at quarterback. That's pretty good. You got a healthy and excited to be anywhere but Arizona, David Johnson in the backfield now, where you succeeded running the ball with guys like Lamar Miller and and uh, Duke Johnson last year. Carlos Hyde. Carlos yeah. Hyde. You know, you have all these guys. You succeeded running the ball. I'm going to be willing to accept David Johnson's healthy and he's ready to go. And then I have a wide receiver core of Will Fuller, again, assuming he can play more than four games. I'm going to have to do that here as we sit here on June 1st. Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb, Kiki Kute. I'm thinking, dang, that is a good wide receiver core. It is. You look at this offense, it is stacked. and I can't, But I can't get out of my head the idiocy of that of <laughs> that DeAndre Hopkins trade, what you gave up to get David Johnson back. This team, like you're dead on, Rick. It's is does this defense, does JJ Watt stay healthy? This def this offense is good enough to make the playoffs, good enough to make noise in the playoffs, might be good enough to get a get a team to a Super Bowl. Deshaun Watson's that dang good. But so I want to crush him for blowing up his offense, but what he should be good at, it's the defense that I'm concerned about. It's just, and it's the health of J.J. Watt more than anything. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Like you said, you just ran down that offense, and 
let's just pretend Will Fuller stays healthy. Kenny still stays healthy. He was injured some last year. Brandon Cooks is the Brandon Cooks that we know he can be and is relatively happy in Houston. David Johnson puts up 1,200 yards and 45 catches for another 300 yards or whatever. They've already forgotten about DeAndre Hopkins. Right, exactly. I mean, there's no doubt about that in my mind. It's a big gamble, don't get me wrong, because we don't know what David Johnson's going to be like. We don't know if Will Fuller's going to get hurt. We don't know if Kenny Stills is going to get hurt. We don't know if Brandon Cooks is going to be mad after week nine and went traded again. He tends to do that. (laughs) Right. However, you know, this is a – this could be a new beginning for a lot of people and new beginnings sometimes do pan out. And offensively, I think this team is fine and it goes right back to defense again and even throw Indianapolis in with the other three, those six division games that Houston plays, they're not playing a super dynamic offense in any of these teams. Indianapolis a little you know, is more up there as far as offensive power over your Tennessee and Jacksonville. But you're not talking Green Bay. You're not talking, you know, the old New England offense. Nothing in that elite category. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it is totally up to defense because they have the weapons on offense to keep up with anybody in that division. And that just amazed me. And it's funny, the stuff you get in your head and kind of the old biases for teams. I was prepared to have the exact opposite conversation when I started prepping for this show. And then we landed in the exact same place. And it just tells you, you know, and I'm sure we got on here and we're hot take artists after that trade and just crushed Bill O'Brien. I still think he needs crush for it for, for what he gave up. But, boy, the, the offense looks pretty good on the other end of it. It really does. It does. There's no doubt about that. All right. Well, we've talked about two teams. We haven't talked about the team that won the division yet last year, Rick, as we look at the uh, Tennessee Titans. Yeah, and see, to me, that team right there, and you can't take anything away from them. As far as they went, they went uh, very close to coming to playing in a Super Bowl. But they were a 9-7 and team, and there a lot of things came together for Tennessee. And you can't minimize the impact that Ryan Tannehill had on that offense. But, and they, and they were the 12th overall offense in the league last year, which is surprising, but they were third in rushing and 21st in passing. So right there, I just want to put the brakes on the Ryan Tannehill hype that he's the second coming of, of, um, you know, Joe Montana, but yeah, they extended the deal. They saw something in him. Again, it's a conversation sort of like we thought we were going to talk about with Houston. Well, you know, defensively, they're okay. This is a team that was 21st overall in deep total defense last year. Not a very good defense. 359, almost 360 yards a game. And um, they were 26th against the pass. And you have to have a pretty potent offense to keep up with those kind of numbers. And, you know, is Ryan Tannehill the guy? That's my biggest question. We know Derrick Henry can run, but if something happens to Derrick Henry, which tends to do to running backs from time to time, 
you know, you're looking at Evans, Dawkins, Wilson, and Scarlett is your backups right now on that team as, as running back. Um, you have Brown, and you have, what, Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys for wide receiver. They're, you know, I do like Brown. Um, Corey Davis, I, you can take as far as I'm concerned or leave. I could care less. Adam Humphreys is Adam Humphreys. They're not very deep. They remind me of the Indianapolis Colt receiving team. You have one good one and, and then you have the rest of the guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, Tennessee, there's a lot of things that have to come together again for Tennessee. I mean, right now, June 1st, 2020, I have them third. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you there, Rick. And, and as good as they were and as good of a story as they are, they got two things that I just flat can't trust. Number one, I saw enough of Ryan Tannehill in Miami to make last year feel like the outlier and not everything that had happened before last year, right? You know, it did 12 games, he throws for 2,700 yards. Uh, what, what, what do you have? Uh, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions. You know, that translates to, what, uh, almost 30 touchdowns. Is Ryan Tannehill with that core around him really feel like a 30 touchdown a season type of guy he just doesn't to me if he does it again I'll shut up I was wrong I'm sorry you know but I saw enough of him leading up to that time that that felt like lightning in a bottle to me but it was a great story but it felt like lightning in a bottle yeah that would translate to what say 30 touchdowns and what nine picks yeah yeah that's the number to me going into 2020, can he maintain? The 30 touchdowns, maybe, but 30 and 16 is more realistic to me than nine. It well could be. You're, you're right. And so kind of the linchpin on that offense then becomes about Derrick Henry. And, and look, nobody can argue you know, with what he did last year. You talk about literally – putting a team on your back and carrying them to victory. He quite literally did that, put the other team on his back and carried his team to victory (laughs) so many times. Here's the problem. And in fantasy, guys, I'm going to throw out this number, Rick, from our fantasy days that that should make you nervous as the Tennessee Titans. And and if you want to have Derrick Henry on your fantasy team, maybe we'll do some of that later on in the year. Last year, 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns. But here's the magic number. On 303 attempts, the history in this league of what a guy does, either just performance-wise or injury-wise, the year following a 300-attempt season is terrifying. All right? If you're not a big fantasy guy, there's plenty. I'm not going to recite all it. I vowed we're never doing that again. But that 300 number is the magic number where you need to be terrified of a running back the following year. And just how long can a guy do that? And he runs so hard and so nasty and so physical. And it, it scares me. You know, and there's a reason you didn't get a – you know, guys like that don't get a long-term deal. So you got, in my mind, although a great story – a big-time question mark at the quarterback position and the, the heart and soul of your offense, that's the danger zone at 300 carries and how long, as durable as he's been, how long can he hold up? You know, only 215 the year before, jumping up to 303 last year, and then really outside of A.J. Brown, who is an emerging star in this league, really fun to watch. 
not a lot to do on offense. The defense surprised me, actually, their numbers were that low. And you look at the names, right, Butler, Vaccaro, Bur- Bayer, Jackson, Beasley, Brown, Evan, the names, you think that should be a pretty good defense. I'm actually surprised it was that low. I would expect them to be better. I just think they're really lacking on offense and caught lightning in a bottle last year. I do, too. And, and quickly, we're down to about four minutes left. We go to Holy crap. <laughs> Boy, I lost um, all track of time. Some people think Jacksonville could be the worst team in the league. Look, that defense from about three years ago, those guys are gone. They, they were 24th overall last year, 28th against the run. Uh, the pass defense was middle of the pack, 16th. You know, they're giving up about 375 yards a game last year. And their offense, you know, look, we saw a little bit of uh, flash from Gardner Minshew. But... I, you know, DJ Chark, I love what I saw on that kid. And, you know, you go to the little fantasy players, you want to grab a good value pick right there. That's, that's a wide receiver to grab because this kid's special. Jacksonville, they just don't have the weapons. They, they declined a fifth-year option on Fournette. He's still going to be there. He's disgruntled. I don't think he wants to be in Jacksonville. Nobody's biting on, on trading for him. So now we're stuck with a disgruntled Fournette and lack of weapons after that. The defense is very suspect. They're, I don't know, three, four win team in my book. Yeah, I mean, you figure the last two remaining bastions of can't miss, lock it down, great players on that football team being Leonard Fournette and Yannick Ngakwe, either one of them would have rather been on that Elon Musk space capsule going up to the moon or wherever the hell it was going than being Jacksonville right now. Ngakwe, he's stuck there under the franchise tag, wants nothing more than to leave. Leonard Fournette, yeah, it, it's just a disaster. And Gardner Minshew was a fun little story last year, and I, I like the white trash-looking thing and the weird mustache and everything, but... No, <laughs> he ain't the next dude. He ain't that guy. Jacksonville, after a nice little run for a couple years, is back to being Jacksonville. And frankly, they're going to stink. Ho- I hope he. I hope he does have a good run because I like the kid, and, and he and he shows some flashes. Um, it, it's a shame that he got his shot on a team that was in decline and is still declining in my mind. I mean, they, look, he's he's got Shark and D.D. Westbrook. Um, you know, Westbrook's a good possession guy and, and Shark, I think is special, but you know, I just don't think they have the weapons to do that. And before we get out of here, Rick, um, you know, if you, everybody, if you want that shot at a hundred dollar cash, make sure that you follow 12 ounce sports on Twitter and Facebook, retweet any posts you see on the hundred dollar offer, um, tag two friends, purchase a T-shirt from the 2020 mini catalog at 12OutSportsRadio.com. The drawing is June 9th. You can win 100 bucks. You get a T-shirt and 100 bucks. What could be wrong with that? It's better than playing in Jacksonville, right? So you, you got you that got going for you. All right, well, we're going to get the heck out of here. Thank God. Thanks for uh, sticking with us here. We'll be back next week here on 12 Ounce Sports Network. Check out everything all over there at 12OutSportsNetwork.com, at 12OZ Sports on Twitter. And, of course, you can follow your boys at Asylum on Facebook football on twitter if you want any suggestions for the show it's just sports one two three at gmail and check out all the archives at asylumfantasysports.com until next time god willing i don't know why we bother we'll see you take care